Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, I see the smile on your face. I know we're less than a week away from Thanksgiving. I've got one foot in the gravy. How are you doing today? Oh, I am looking forward to Thanksgiving. Uh, You know, as I have mentioned often, it's my favorite holiday of the entire year. I think it's just a wonderful time to be with family, and I, and I certainly hope that uh, folks will have uh, safe travel arrangements and that uh, the entire family will be able to get together. Uh, right now, I'm a little bit concerned ab- about the possibility of a government shutdown that will um, make it more difficult for folks uh, traveling uh, on the airlines, even though the air traffic controllers and the whatever you call the folks, um, the uh, you know the security people, uh, they what are they called? TSA. TSA, yeah, that they that they have to work even though they're not getting paid, which you know is pretty god awful. But, <laughs> but uh, so it, it, obviously uh, it's a time for a little trepidation when it comes to air travel, uh, but at the same time, I do hope uh, and wish everyone uh, a happy Thanksgiving because, you, know, uh, you know, next time they, that uh, folks can tune us in, it will be uh, after Thanksgiving and after Black Friday. Uh, so everybody will be worn out and ready to listen to the show again. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Um, this morning... I thought I, I would uh, take on an issue um, that um, is, is very common, uh, and that is, you know, the fact is uh, we know that uh, divorce is a very common thing. In fact, m- most of my clients actually um, who, who are leaving something substantial to their children uh, want to protect their children uh, from a potential divorce, and, and they don't want their inheritance divided with an ex-spouse. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in that. We do that uh, by leaving our children uh, irrevocable lifetime trusts that each child controls. Uh, with a lot of flexibility built in and tax planning built in and uh, generation skipping built in if it's a large trust and things um, things along those lines. But the fact is that uh, divorce also uh, affects the planning of a parent when the parent uh, divorces or the the other, thing that happens frequently is one loses their spouse to death and then later um, uh, uh, meets someone that uh, makes them happy and they remarry. Uh, And so it's an issue that is dealt with by many, many, many families. And quite frankly, uh, when they're is a remarriage, oftentimes the parties have children, both parties often have children by previous marriage. And so there are lots 
of planning issues involved. And and quite frankly, uh, in almost every case where there's a remarriage with children by previous marriage on either side or both sides, a trust is the way to go. Because with rare exception, guess what? What are we trying to do? We're trying to be happy the rest of our lives, but we also want to protect the inheritance of our children. And, and that's uh, one of the reasons why uh, I always recommend that uh, when one is anticipating uh, a remarriage, uh, particularly when there's children by previous marriage, and of course there's other reasons for this too other than that, Uh, But the fact is that when people are looking at being remarried, there should be a prenuptial or a pre-marriage agreement uh, so that that, that you, uh, if you remarry, you can leave uh, when you die uh, everything. If you want to leave everything to your children, you have the right to do that because I've had uh, times where uh, clients do remarry with children and they don't have a prenuptial agreement and they just assume that their spouse will honor their wishes. And of course, in many cases, that might be the case. But the fact is, is that you're gone, you're dead, and uh, they have the absolute right to take a percentage of your estate if there's not a prenuptial agreement. So from my perspective, as a planner, I want to make sure that whatever goals you have in your planning will actually happen and that there's not anything that will stand in the way uh, legally of your plan being accomplished. That's what good planning is all about is the fact that you can leave your property to the persons or persons that you want to leave it to, the way you want to leave it to, how you want to leave it to them, uh, at, at a reasonable or at the lowest cost possible. I mean, that's what good planning is all about. Uh, and when you remarry, that's a complicated situation in most cases. Now, if you have a prenuptial agreement, it does not mean that you can't leave something to your spouse. Um, it's okay. You can do it. But the fact is, is with a prenuptial agreement, you don't have to. It's like if you want to, you can. Uh, but if you don't leave them anything, they can't complain about it <laughs> because they agreed to it. And most of the time, it's because they want to leave their property to their own children as well. So it's, it's mutual. It's what everybody wants. And, and that's fantastic when it is. But, but it's really important that, uh, that your plan can't be uh, messed up because you didn't do it right. I mean, that's, that's what good planning is all about. Now, there are a number of other circumstances that I want to talk about as it relates to this issue. It's a lot to consider, and that's why it's important to have these, in- these important conversations with your loved ones and your family, and why it's also important 
to get the guidance of an elder law attorney. If you would like to speak with an elder law attorney, get a hold of the team at WG Alexander and Associates by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. There you can book an appointment to speak with someone. You can also find information related to their free webinars that happen the second Wednesday of every month. These cover the subjects of long-term care assistance, financial assistance for those dealing with the astronomical costs of long-term care. This deals with Medicaid, VA benefits, and several other forms of financial assistance that are available to middle-class families. And these webinars are free to attend. There's no cost to do so. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page, and there you can register and attend for free. There's also a webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning, some of the subjects that we'll be discussing today. So if this is piquing your interest, you may want to attend one of these free webinars. Again, go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button at the top of the page, or call the office. The phone number is 919 256 7,919-256-7,000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill and WG Alexander and Associates. You can also learn more about their free webinars happening on Wednesday, December 13th. If you would like to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, some subjects where there's a whole lot of misinformation and half-truths, this is a great way for you to learn more about some pretty confusing topics and ones that are really essential for anyone dealing with long-term care issues. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button to learn more. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, we're discussing the subject of remarrying with children uh, by a previous marriage. There's a lot that goes into these. No question about it. And a revocable trust-type plan, uh, quite frankly, is always best. Now, and I would also say that in our uh, planning for a traditional marriage, uh, particularly when there are many resources involved, uh, oftentimes uh, we actually recommend that an irrevocable trust be created with the decedent's share of all of the property uh, for the benefit of the surviving spouse. Uh, now, this is the person you've been married to for 30, 40, 50 years, and and um, and you want to make sure that spouse has everything that, that they need. And so what we do oftentimes is we put what we call remarriage restrictions in that irrevocable trust. And in most cases, now, uh, remarriage restrictions can be screwed down tight or they can be loosened up depending on uh, how much uh, resource is involved. But uh, uh, it, that 
to me, is a very important consideration. And basically what you're doing is you're not saying you can't remarry. What you're saying is is that if you remarry, I'm going to cut you off from this trust or limit what you can take from this trust unless you have a, uh, a, a valid and strong prenuptial or premarriage agreement. And, and so, in essence, what you're doing is trying to protect your children's inheritance. And, in essence, your uh, remarriage restriction might say, um, well, if you remarry, then uh, the, at least one of the children will be the trustee of this trust, and you'll no longer be in control of this irrevocable trust at this point. Or it may be that we cut you off from all principal distributions. We will still let you have enough income out of the trust uh, uh, for at least bread and water. Uh, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where, again, um, limiting it to, to income is protecting the principal for the, the children at the second death. Uh, or it, under if there's uh, plenty of resources, then some folks will cut you off altogether. No principal, no income. The income goes to the children and not to the spouse. But So there are a lot of different ways that you can screw down a— uh, remarriage restrictions, if that's appropriate, um, <clears throat> because it's not uncommon at all for folks to remarry after they uh, lose a spouse to death. I mean, it's just not uncommon. So it's something that most people do at least think about, um, uh, and uh, good planning, of course, uh, can can make a difference when it comes to to that. Uh, now, the, the next issue in these types of cases oftentimes is the home place. Okay, you're getting remarried, so the question is where are you going to live? And sometimes it's like you live in my house or I'll live in your house, and typically you, you want some protection to be able to continue to live there uh, at the death of the, of the second spouse. And so um, that you can do in a trust agreement. Uh, you can also do a life estate type of thing where you give the, the uh, surviving spouse the, the continuing right to live in the home. In some cases, uh, spouses will buy another house and oftentimes when there are children on both sides of the equation, it's best that that type of house uh, be owned as tenants in common, so 50% tenant in common for each spouse, particularly if, if each is going to contribute 50% towards the new house. And quite frankly, if it's a tenant in common and it's not an equal contribution, you can have a percentage based upon the contribution. So if it's a 70-30, you can have a 70-30 tenant in common with a life estate so that the surviving spouse can continue to live there. Now, in a trust, you can actually put in an arrangement uh, that's a little better, in my opinion, than a life estate. In other words, because sometimes the person who survives doesn't want or can't live there uh, until their death. Uh, you know, sometimes they want to move to a different place. Sometimes they 
need to move uh, for their own protection to assisted living or independent living or a nursing home or whatever. And with a trust type of arrangement, you can actually uh, do it so that if the person doesn't want to live there anymore, uh, that the house can be sold and, and the money divided between the families as appropriate. So uh, that um, can be done a number of different ways. But again, uh, a trust arrangement is clearly the, the best way to go when you have that sort of situation. Now, the, uh, another issue that can be uh, extremely important uh, to a family is how to deal with retirement accounts, particularly large retirement accounts, in terms of helping the spouse, but also uh, protecting your own children. Uh, because oftentimes your retirement account is the largest, um, uh, most important asset that a lot of folks have. Sometimes it's a house, sometimes it's a retirement account, but those two assets are pretty darn important. So when we, when we come back after break, I'll talk about how, to, how the best way to deal with retirement accounts in a second marriage. As you can see, there are a whole lot of items to consider when you're getting remarried and there's children involved. So making sure that you've got some expert guidance along the way really does go a long way. You can get a hold of the team at WG Alexander and Associates by going to WGALaw.com. If you would like to speak with an elder law attorney, you can do that at WGALaw.com. You can also attend their free webinars by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. There's a whole webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. A lot of the topics that we're discussing today and there's also one dedicated to long-term care assistance this deals with medicaid va benefits all different kinds of financial assistance available to those dealing with a long-term care crisis both are free to attend there's zero cost and it's just a wonderful educational opportunity for you to learn more from some experts in these fields go to wgalaw.com to learn more or call the office 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back after this. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and today we're covering the subject of remarrying later in life. This is with children by a previous marriage, and Bill, there's just so much that goes into this, and you know, it would seem like it would be a relatively simple situation here, but this, this can get pretty complicated pretty fast. It can, and uh, again, uh, how you deal with large retirement accounts is a huge issue in good planning. And so um, here are a couple of the factors, and this this factor um, 
uh, is also something to be considered in a first marriage as well. Uh, and this is something that I do talk about from time to time. But uh, let, let's say that you have a retirement account of $750,000. Uh, there are lots of folks with accounts that large and much larger. Um, and, and of course, there are a lot of folks with accounts smaller than that, too. But the fact is, is that it is not unusual at all for folks to have retirement assets in excess of a half million dollars. I mean, it's uh, if you don't have something in excess of a half million dollars, uh, you're you're sucking wind a little bit in retirement. Uh, so th these retirement accounts are pretty darn important to folks. But um, he here's the thing. Um, you've been married for 50 years or 40 years or to pick a number and you have children and typically you want your retirement account to take care of your surviving spouse of many years and then go to the children. Uh, now, but what happens when now you have a second marriage and you both have children by previous marriage? And so oftentimes you want your retirement account to be used by your new spouse if you die first, but you also want to make darn sure that whatever's not used by your spouse goes where? To your own children. Okay, so can you just leave your retirement account willy-nilly to your new spouse. Well, you can, but at the same time, what the spouse has the right to roll over that account to his or her own name. And once they've done that, they can change the, you know, the, the alternate beneficiary to their own children as opposed to leaving your children on the beneficiary designation upon their death. So can you do anything about that? Well, you can't do anything about it if you leave it directly to your spouse the way most people do, okay? Now, one option that can be a good idea, uh, not the only idea, just one option, is to leave part of your retirement account to your children uh, at your death and leave less of it to uh, your new spouse. So you're basically compromising on that. Now, the fact is, one of the considerations that make a difference, because this can be good planning even... Uh, for first marriages at times. Why? Because oftentimes the income of, the, uh, of your spouse when you die is going to be close to the same amount as it was when, you know, when you were both alive. I mean, there are lots of circumstances where there's not much of a decrease in income. Uh, because typically for a lot of folks, the only income that's reduced, now this is not true for everybody, but it's true for an awful lot of folks where the only income that you lose is the Social Security of the, uh, of the smaller amount received by either spouse. Because when your spouse dies, then if you have a smaller Social Security um, 
payment than your spouse does, then you elect to take your spouse's and you have to drop your own. Uh, and then if you, if you have the higher income from Social Security, then you end up dropping the deceased spouse's account and, and you go on from there. But the fact is, is that oftentimes the surviving spouse will be in a higher tax bracket. Uh, and guess what? If you're already in a higher tax bracket, now you say, well, why is that? It's because when you lose your spouse, your tax bracket as a single person drops in half, but your income is still almost the same. And your standard deduction is cut in half. But guess what? Your income is, is, is about the same as it was before. So in those cases you're going to be pushed into a higher tax bracket. And sometimes that higher tax bracket is a whole lot more than the bracket you were in as a married couple. Um, so that, that now, if, now, when you inherit that retirement account and have required minimum distributions, particularly if it's a large account and you have to add twenty-five dollars or $50,000 in required distributions to your income at a higher tax bracket, guess what? That's not great. So are there ways to lower what your required minimum distribution is? Yes. Okay. One is while you're still married, you can do Roth conversions. Um, and of course, the, the other reason that you do that is because your children are, are in higher tax brackets than you are. Uh, and they, if they inherit your retirement account, they have to take it all within 10 years of the date of your death, which can, in other words, the taxes are, uh, income taxes are a huge consideration on how you do planning with retirement accounts. Now, if you're remarried, there's a different problem. So what's that? You want to help your, your surviving spouse with retirement plans, but you also want whatever's left to go to your children. So how do you do that without leaving it directly to your spouse so that you know that whatever's left goes to your children. And, and the other issue is, uh, quite frankly, uh, if your spouse controls it, they can clearly take more than required minimum distribution. So they can, in essence, liquidate. Yes, they have to pay more tax, but they don't have to take required distributions. They can take it all, okay, which leaves nothing to your children. Bad results. So if you use a marital trust. Again, I've used that word, trust. If you use a trust as beneficiary, now you're, when you do that, your trust must have the correct language in it. Um, and the bottom line is you can limit distributions from a marital trust to required minimum distributions. Um, which in almost every case means there's going to be something left to the children. But there's also another issue in there that, that is a blessing from SECURE Act 2. You know, the SECURE Act was passed in 2019, 
but what we call Secure 2.0 (laughs) was passed a few years after that, and that gives us another option. Uh, And and so, in, in essence, when you use a marital trust, you typically, depending on the circumstances, uh, can use a different life expectancy that reduces the uh, required minimum distribution. And that this is something that most folks don't know about because uh, uh, under Secure One uh, or under the old rules, uh, the survivor would always use single life tables uh, in order to determine what their required minimum distribution would be. But if you use a marital trust, you can use what's called the IRS's Uniform Lifetime Table, the ULT rather than the SLT. Now, and you might say, well, does that make a difference? And the answer is absolutely it can make a difference because, quite frankly, if you have a spouse who survives, and let's say the spouse is 72, 73, you know, required distributions uh, are now required at 73, and that's moving over the next number of years to 75. But you can have a, a situation where under the single life table, the life expectancy factor is 17, well, let's just say 17.2 years, and where the same person under the IRS uh, uniform life table, the survivor's life expectancy is 27.4. So how do you get um, your required minimum distribution? Well, it, let's just say you had $400,000, then you divide 17.2 into 400000 to determine your required minimum distribution. But if you're using the uniform life table, you're dividing 27.4 into uh, that number, which is a much smaller number. So using one table, it would be, um, in essence, $23,255. Using the uniform table, it's $14,600. So it's the difference between $1,940 a month versus $1,216 a month. Well, that's a huge difference. But if you use the uh, – and, and sometimes the smaller number can actually be helpful because it's uh, basically uh, at a lower tax rate than it might be if it's a higher number. It also can make a difference in terms of what your Medicare premium is. There are times when I talk about Irma, uh, the bad lady that increases your Medicare premium. And of course, the more income you have, uh, the higher, the more money you have to pay for your Medicare premium. So I'm just saying the government's there to take it away from you if you don't plan on doing things that can reduce that number. And of course, if your spouse doesn't need the income, then it's crazy not to plan around that. Um, So anyway, those are some, uh, using a marital trust for retirement accounts, particularly in second marriages, 
can give a much, much better result uh, for you and your children um, by just doing it a little differently. That's fascinating. And I don't know how many people would come across that information without listening to this show or speaking with an elder law attorney, because that's information that's not readily just presented to us uh, randomly. And as you displayed in that example, it's a, a rather dramatic difference financially. So if this is something that applies to you, I have two suggestions for you. First one would be get a hold of an elder law attorney at WG Alexander and Associates. You can get your planning done, go over options for you. It's very easy to do or attend their asset protection and trust planning webinar. It's free to do so. There's absolutely no cost. Just go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Again, it's free to register and free to attend. You can also find information about the webinar dedicated to long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid, VA benefits, all sorts of information, again, that's really hard to find that is accurate and helpful. WGALaw.com is where you want to go, or if you want to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to register for the WG Alexander and Associates free webinars that are happening on Wednesday, December 13th. They do these the second Wednesday of every month. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning, just go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button. It's free to register, free to attend. Learn more at WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, you've got uh, some news here on your desk that you want to share. Well, as a, as a veteran and as a law firm that, that uh, tries to help veterans when we can, of course, most of our help uh, as a accredited VA advisors uh, has to do with helping clients uh, with long-term care issues um, where we can help them uh, with what we call improved pension with aid and attendance claims uh, because most of the disability claims can be handled uh, well uh, by uh, service uh, uh, like the VA Ombudsman or the North Carolina Division of Veterans Affairs or the Disabled American Veterans or the VFW or American Legion, uh, they have folks that can provide help to people um, for free without any help. I mean, without any, any issue, and they do a pretty good job. Uh, but there was an announcement this week, and I wanted uh, folks to know about it because uh, one of the uh, one of the dark spots with American government, American history, if you will, is the travesty that occurred uh, 
at Camp Lejeune uh, in terms of our marine base. Uh, and the, this has to do with the folks who served, you know, who were exposed to the contaminated water at camp at the marine base at Camp Lejeune from August 1, 1953, all the way through December 31, 1987. So, I mean, we're talking from Korean conflict period through way past Vietnam. And quite frankly, uh, you know, as an old Air Force JAG, it really makes me mad because I guarantee you that there, this uh, contaminated water was known by a number of commanders that, from my own perspective, uh, should be prosecuted for this. And, of course, they will not be. We know that. But the fact is this, this contaminated water at the base uh, was kept secret, uh, if not top secret, if you will. Why? Because the commanders were more concerned uh, about their budgets for other things and didn't want to spend the money cleaning up what needed to be cleaned up. And um, to me, uh, it was they didn't care about the soldiers and the soldiers' family. Uh, and it's just now, which, I mean, here we are, uh, 40 years later, now saying, oops, we made a mistake. Now we need to take care of people. And unfortunately, uh, particularly during Vietnam, uh, the Marines weren't there. They were in Vietnam. They were off uh, fighting the war. And it was the families who suffered the contaminated water living uh, on or, or near the the base. But uh, the bottom line is 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 the fact that um, uh, there uh, is now uh, the ability to file claims uh, for family members as well as the veterans themselves uh, who were exposed to this contaminated water uh, before uh, they cleaned it up. And the family members are eligible also for health care reimbursements for all sorts of uh, diseases. And I would just, there's so many that I would tell folks uh, to look it up, you know, Google it. Uh, but, but there's a new one that's really important because it's been problematic. So this is, not tr- this is true not only for the veterans, but the families of veterans who were exposed to the poison water. And in now, and the, uh, they are actually covering Parkinson's. Uh, and uh, for family members of veterans who served at Camp Lejeune, you know, where family members lived on or around the base. Um, so to me, that's really important because it's, um, it, it's a tragic disease. There's lots of expenses involved in trying to take care of someone uh, as Parkinson's progresses. Uh, And so it's an important benefit for those folks who actually uh, were exposed to this contaminated water. So I wanted to mention that uh, because uh, Parkinson's is, you know, such a debilitating situation and requires long-term care 
And so this is uh, an avenue for those families that should be taken advantage of. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, the other issue that I want to mention, which is totally um, not veteran-related, but um, I would always recommend to those families who can afford it uh, that they have long-term care insurance. Uh, and, and because long-term care insurance, um, you know, almost every family, with rare exception, has to deal with long-term care. And long-term care insurance gives people so much more uh, when it comes to options than the folks who don't have long-term care. And now we talk about government assistance. And if somebody needs nursing care, it's likely that we can get them on Medicaid. But the fact is, is that so many people fall between the cracks of the assistance system if they don't need nursing care. And how many people want to go to a nursing home? I mean, so it's kind of thing where if you're trying to stay at home or if you need assisted living or if you need memory care, there are an awful lot of folks, a high percentage of folks, who cannot get assistance, but they can't afford. In other words, the cost of care is so high that they have to depend on a family member to take care of them because they can't afford what it, the other. So, but here's the problem: so many folks realize that that the the insurance companies did not underwrite a lot of these old policies. In fact, Genworth is going through a bankruptcy right now uh, where they're uh, having to choose uh, what they're willing to accept. And I would simply say, if a family can afford it somehow, the, the best option is always going to be to keep the policy as is and pay the additional premium. With the old policies, you're getting a lot more for your money than you could get with new policies, uh, for sure, even though it's more expensive and you weren't ready for the, the increase. But the fact is, is that long-term care expenses are getting higher and higher. Uh, so you're better off with that full coverage than with any kind of reduced coverage. That's great advice. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to get a hold of an elder law attorney at WG Alexander and Associates if you need help with trusts or asset protection or maybe you're in a situation like we discussed on this show, remarrying with children from a previous marriage. Get the guidance of an elder law attorney or learn more about their free webinars regarding asset protection and trust planning as well as long-term care assistance at wgalaw.com wgalaw.com that will do it for us today on behalf of bill alexander i'm jason kong you've been listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander have a wonderful day